Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Amen. Thank you, Praise team. Pastor Ed, thanks for leading and playing and singing and doing it all. I thought you were retired. He's just tired. We appreciate you filling in for Andrew. Andrew and Susan were able to get away uh, for a few days. They're down in sunny Florida. And so we're excited that they were able to get away and thankful for each one of the team members here and stepping in and helping and uh, serving. It's great to be able to worship the Lord with you. Wow, it's uh, it's been a while since I've been here ready to preach. And you're probably saying, yeah, it has been a while. Where you been? Um, it's, uh, it's really been a blessing the last few weeks to be able to um, have a different kind of agenda. I am... I do want to admit that I do, as I get older, I do like the routine. There is something to be said about having a routine, and I'm ready for that again as I kind of keep going week by week, and uh, and I sound like an old fogey. You know, it's like one of those things that you heard your parents say, oh, they didn't make them like they used to. I caught myself saying that several times this week, and I'm like, I'm just getting old. That's my problem. Um, the last few weeks... Um, we've just been able to uh, to do to serve in some different ways, and so thank you for allowing your pastor to be able to do that. Um, three Sundays ago, uh, we were in Indiana, and I was able to catch up with some of my college friends um, and my dorm dad and his wife. Uh, we were able to serve in a church in Indiana and was able to preach out there and uh, really enjoyed that. The guys were giving me a hard time. Um, because we were trying to select. We each had 20 minutes to preach and to share a little bit. And it was around the theme of Thanksgiving and being thankful. And uh, they said, I wanted to be in the middle. Um, didn't want to start, but just wanted to be in the middle. And they said, no, you're, you're not allowed to be in the middle. You have to, you're, you're, the, you're the closer, man. You're, you're the ringer. You're bringing it to a close here at the end. They're like, you've been a pastor the longest, and so you have to, you got to bring it home. And so that was humbling. It was funny. And so it took the pressure off when I told all the people that they're the ones who told me I had to be last. And so um, enjoyed that time in Indiana. Uh, the next Sunday, we went to, um, to a church in Finley. And uh, on behalf of Skyview Ranch, we accepted um, their Christmas gift uh, of over $52,000 that that church had raised uh, for Skyview Ranch. And, uh, and earlier this week, I made a trip down to Skyview on behalf of West Hill and uh, your provision, God's provision through you, um, was able to take a check for 41,101 cent. And uh, so we praise the Lord for that. That cent was really important. Praise God for that. Amen. So we, when we laid it out, the missions team, when we talked about it, and uh, then it went to the deacon board to get approval, um, you know, we said we would match anything up to $20,000. And I thought, okay, $20,000, that's a lot of money. Like, that's a lot of money. I don't know. I would admit my doubt. I doubted. I didn't think we would get twenty. I thought, you know what, if we get ten, like, that would be match that. That's 20000 Like, that's a lot of money. And so God provided uh, above and beyond again, and he shows me that he is a big and gracious God. And if God is in it, then it won't fail. And uh, it was another reminder as, 
again, I, I would think that by now, after serving here for, what, 21 and a half years, that I would have it through my thick skull that, hey, God, it, God provides. You see this, you saw it here, you saw it. We forget, right? You may not forget, but I forget. And so um, we're, we were thankful last week to have Andrew and Leah Postuma here um, and to share about their ministry in Romania. Andrew did share a little bit about um, the, the, the crate, the big, um, uh, big box that they're packing up that they want to take of tools and things for the property. Um, we included that in an email. Uh, of the website so that you could go on there. And if there are things that you want to provide, you feel that God would lead you to provide, um, let us know. And you can go on there. You can check that out. You can see all the things that they're needing as they go back and really kind of starting from scratch. They've laid the land and they've done some dirt work uh, and we'll start the building process really quick here. And so they're, they're really looking forward to that. But as a, a church, as a supporting church, if, if God leads you as an individual to provide uh, any of those tools um, and you want to bring them in, we'll make sure that they get up to Michigan um, and get on that container and that crate so that they can um, be shipped out to Romania. This morning, I'm going to start a series on, um, on servanthood, but before I do, uh, I put this slide up to remind me and to remind you of our theme for this year. Um, and in order to live rightly, we need to think biblically. So think biblically. So I want to challenge you. How are you doing in your three verses that I've challenged you to memorize for this month? All right. Psalm 111, 119, verse 11. All right. And 1 Thessalonians 5:18, and 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 16. How are you doing on that? Well, let me encourage you to do to spend some time. So yesterday morning, I sat in front of my fire with a cup of coffee after I had my devotions, and I just spent about half an hour just reviewing that. And for me, um, one of the things that helps me is a cool little app, and it's called Bible Memory, all right? And it's something that works for me. If it would work for you, I'm sure there's a lot of other things that are out there. Um, but let me encourage you, we have to get God's word into our heart. We've got to get it into our minds because we're being bombarded with everything else um, that the world has to throw at us. So we've got to get God's word. And so you have to be proactive and you've got to set time aside. And uh, it's something that I've tried to do even before I go to bed. If I just pull up that app and just read through the verse, it's still it happens over time, right? So if you just make it, a, make it a priority, when you get up in the morning, before you go to bed, review those verses. Let me encourage you um, to do that. So these next two weeks, we're going to be going through a series on stewardship. Every January, I usually go through a series on stewardship. Um, and so this Sunday, we will be looking at uh, the whole idea. This series is called Giving God My Best. And so th this week and next week, we'll be looking at that. And uh, this morning, we want to look at giving God my best where he has placed me, where he has placed me. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn with me to the book of Kings, 1 Kings chapter 18, um, we're going to dig in there and uh, look at two, um, two men, uh, one named Obadiah and the other named Elijah, and how God used both of them right where he put them. And so we have an Obi here, and we have a 
in Elijah, not Elijah, but Elijah. And so um, it was uh, good to talk with them a little bit. And uh, I told them, I said, can I talk about you guys when I preach this morning? And one of them was like, yeah, sure. And the other one was like, no, don't talk about me. Um, so we're excited to dig into the word here and, uh, and to look at these, these two characters and 1 Kings chapter 18. Before we do that, I have, uh, I have, I have two girls, and uh, both of them I love dearly, and they're unique. Each one's different. Right, and they have different personalities, different, a different, a different makeup, uh, just the different gifts, different abilities. Maybe you're like this. One was born with straight hair, and she wanted what? Curly, right? The other was born with curly hair, and she does everything that she can to make it straight. And I'm like. If you got curly hair, let it curl. Like, it's pretty. If you got straight hair, just you don't have to curl it all the time. I'm not a girl. Thankfully, I praise the Lord that I am a man and I am fully a man. And through the time, through growing up and and uh, Zach growing up, Zach at times I've looked at him. I'm like, aren't you glad you're a boy? He's like, yeah. And, uh, and we're glad that we're men. But these girls have these issues, you know? It's like always wanting something that they don't have. Well, you know what? Us guys, we have our issues too, and, uh, and we struggle with that. And when we look this morning, um, as we look at where God has placed each one of us, um, sometimes we're like that. Sometimes we can be like that. Oh, it's, it's always better over there. How come God put me here and I'll, I would be happier if I was over there? Or if I had curly hair, then it would look so much prettier. Or if I had that job. Or if I had just a spouse that would be respectful to me or kind to me. We play these games and we think it's always better over there. And you've heard the sayings before, I'm sure, where it's the grass is greener over there. And why is it greener? It's because there's manure over there. It stinks. All right. That field was built upon a septic tank. All right. That's why it's greener. So, but we, we, we lose sight. It's kind of like working on the farm and you maybe you've seen this as you drive down the road and you see these cows and these horses just extending their neck as long as they can to eat the grass that's way outside of the fence. It's like, dude, you got this whole field. Why do you have to do that? Like, I'm gonna hurt your neck. That barbed wire hat man, doesn't feel good. But they there's something about that grass, they gotta get to that side. Well, this morning I want to challenge us that we will give God our best where he has placed us, right where he has put you, right where he's put me. Would you pray with me before we dig in? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to dig in this morning with these great people. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us and challenge us, convict us. Lord, help our hearts to be in tune with yours. Lord, I thank you not only for the people that are here uh, physically, joining as the body of Christ of West Hill, but those who are also online. Lord, may you encourage them as well. Lord, as we walk through these difficult times, may we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, 
the author and finisher of our faith. And so we pray all this in his name. Amen. Let's read this together, 1 Kings chapter 18, and let's kind of walk through these two characters of Obadiah and Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, it says, After many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, and when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we will find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him, and Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your lord, Behold, Elijah is here. And he said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say, he is not here, he would make an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go, tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where, and so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me, although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here and he will kill me. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have in your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Right where God has placed us, we see these two characters. These two characters, we first see Obadiah. Obadiah means servant or slave of Yahweh. And he has been um, placed in Ahab's household meaning he was the chief of staff. So, in a way, Obadiah is second in command to Ahab and to Jezebel, and we're going to look at them in just a minute. But Obadiah has been placed in charge of all of King Ahab's staff. He has a huge responsibility, huge responsibility. He has a huge responsibility for a very wicked king. Ahab is the seventh king since the split, since after Solomon, 
the seventh king of Israel. And we see this in 1 Kings 16, verses 30. And so um, I, want to, I want to look at that. It won't be on the screen, but I want you to look at this and just to see how wicked Ahab is. So flip back to chapter 16, 1 Kings 16, verses 30 and verses 33. Ahab is a wicked king, and then he married a heathen, a wicked heathen woman. And so let's look at this. Verse 30, it says, And Ahab, chapter 16, verse 30, And Ahab, the son of Omri, um, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. Now, if you jump up just a couple of verses before that and look at verse 25, the king, his dad, Omri, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did more evil than all who were before him. And then you jump down to verse 30, and now you see Ahab. Ahab's worse than his father. And then you go down to verse 33, and Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke, to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So it kind of gives you a taste. This is the, a wicked king. A wicked king, and he married Jezebel. Verse 31 says, as if, he, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sid Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, and he built... Uh, which he built in Samaria. This is amazing. Not only that, but then in verse 34, in the days of Ahab, uh, we see this man Heel, H-I-E-L, of Bethel, who built Jericho. And in Jericho, it says, he laid its foundation at the cost of Abraham, his firstborn, and set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segum, According to the word of the Lord, which, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, I don't know about you, but I love looking at some things and looking back. And so um, you look at this prophecy, and, and I don't know that I ever realized this prophecy before. Did you know that if anybody rebuilt Jericho, that, that the prophecy was whoever rebuilt it would lose their, their oldest son and their youngest son? It's, it's a prophecy. Actually, if you go back and look into Joshua chapter 6 and verse 26, that's what Joshua says. After Jericho has been destroyed by the Lord, remember how they walked around the walls and God destroyed it? Joshua says, whoever rebuilds this horrible bad city, a curse will be upon them. Their oldest and their youngest will die. Well, what we see here is the writer of Kings helps us to see uh, that that prophecy came true. Underneath a wicked king, somebody, he was, this wicked king sent, sent Heel out and he rebuilt the, the city of Jericho and it cost him his oldest and his youngest. Now, that doesn't have a whole lot to do with what we're saying here about, about giving God our best. Other than to say it's a reminder to us that God always keeps his word. He is always faithful to keep his word. And that's a good reminder as we look and we apply this later on um, this morning. We see this idea that there is great Baal worship. And so um, 
the worship that they made to Baal. They made an Asherah, which, uh, again, archaeologists have found uh, these uh, Asherah poles, uh, these statues that were worshipped. Um, and, and, and so King Ahab marries this, this woman that was not uh, a Jew, not part of Israel, was outside of that. And God warned Israel if they were going to marry outside of Israel, outside of who God had called, that ultimately they would, that would lead them to worship other gods, to follow other gods. And that's exactly what happened. We see that in a very big way here. Baal worship. What's interesting is here is Obadiah. He's part of this uh, serving underneath this king, this wicked king. And we kind of get a glimpse for his wickedness as we see it in chapter 18. Because there is a great drought, right? Uh, chapter 17 is all about um, Elijah coming to King Ahab. And because of his wickedness, there would be this huge drought among the land. Well, that drought continues to keep happening. And, uh, and so in chapter 18, this drought is taking place. And it's getting worse and worse. And as it got worse and worse, what took place is Ahab kept seeking after Elijah because he wanted to kill him. Why? Because he brought this evil upon him. And we see that even in his response when he does finally see uh, Elijah. Uh, but we see Ahab's mentality uh, here in chapter 18 when he says um, that he, he wants to send Obadiah in verse 5, go through the land to all the springs of water and to the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save our people. No, that's not what it says. What does it say? And save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of our animals. This guy cared more about his horses and mules and about his animals than he did about the people that he was king over. It shows you the severity of his wickedness. Now, horses were extremely important to an army. That was like having your tanks or your fighter jets. If your horses are down, part of your army's down. But this guy was wicked. He cared more about keeping care of them. I say all this to set the stage because here's Obadiah. And we get a glimpse of who he is in verse 3. That Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. So how could Obadiah be underneath the worst and most wicked king of all of Israel and serve there? Why would he do that? That's some of us how, why we would ask that question. How could he do that? How could he serve there? Well, he feared the Lord greatly. And in fact, he not only feared the Lord, but his actions spoke of his faith in the Lord. As Jezebel was trying to kill off the prophets of the Lord... So that only her prophets, the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah were left. What did Obadiah do? He took a hundred prophets of the Lord and hid them. He hid them in the cave. And not only did he hide them, but he provided bread and he provided water. Their needs. He feared the Lord as we see even in the text as he comes and appears to Elijah 
He feared, he has feared the Lord from his youth. So this isn't something new to him. His faith isn't new. It's something that has been a deep conviction. He's been a follower of the Lord from his youth. Now let's look at this other character, Elijah. Elijah, we probably know pretty well. Elijah is, means Yahweh is my God or my God is Yahweh. Um, he is one of our great heroes uh, of the Lord. We see him in the transfiguration in Matthew 17, verse 3, who appears there on the mountain as Jesus and, and a couple of the disciples go up to the top. Who's there? Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Elijah's there. Elijah is one of the great heroes. He was outspoken for the Lord. He went and spoke to Ahab and s- s- called him on the carpet and told him about his wickedness and uh, asked him and told him to repent, but he would not listen. He was definitely one of God's great prophets. And in the spirit of Elijah came John the Baptist. So we see that uh, through this man, Elijah, you probably know the story of uh, of the rest of chapter 18, where the prophets of Baal have been called forward, and uh, they're, they're called on the carpet to make this uh, altar and this, uh, this sacrifice uh, catch on fire. They were to call out to their gods, the god of Baal and the Asherah. And yet these prophets danced around all day until they were weary and tired, cutting themselves where they were bleeding out, trying to get their gods to listen and to hear them. Elijah kind of mocks them and says to them, hey, is your God tired? Is he deaf? Can he not hear you? Oh, maybe he's sleeping or busy. And so it's Elijah's turn. Elijah comes. Not only does he put the meat upon the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, he sets up the sacrifice. He digs a a trench around this sacrifice, and he pours water upon it. He pours over three and a half gallons of water upon this sacrifice. And he calls out to the Lord, and the Lord delivers. And it's all burnt up. It's, uh, I remember reading it when I was a kid in the King James. It was licked up, <laughs> that term, licked up. And it was all gone. Every drop of water even was gone. And so the God of Israel, the true and living God, the God of Yahweh, the Yahweh God, the true God of Israel, delivered through Elijah, the prophet Elijah, God's bigness was revealed. And so Israel storms after the prophets of Baal and Asherah. They kill them all. All right. Here, here was Elijah. He is by himself. 450 prophets of Baal. 400 prophets of Asherah, that's 850 other people, one of who is Elijah. So again, it shows the beauty of God working through even just an individual person. But Elijah was out there. He was outspoken. God had him to, to speak for him, himself. And that ultimately God would use Elijah to defeat these evil prophets of Baal and Asherah, and would show his glory. Almost two different types of 
people, right? Here you have Obadiah, and he's serving under this wicked king. Here you have Elijah, and he is the spokesperson for the Lord, almost feeling like he is all alone. He says that later on in the text. Am I left alone? No, you're not alone, Elijah, God says. When we look at uh, this in our life, um, it, it was a, a sermon that I heard that got me thinking and hearing about this, about how we can give our best. Um, Colin Smith, um, if you've ever heard him preach on Moody Radio, he's a great accent, all right? English accent, Scottish accent, and uh, just uh, um, loved it. And so I was out on a run. Uh, one day, and I heard him preach about these two men, Obadiah and Elijah, and I thought, this is for today. This is for us today. And Charles Spurgeon, in his, one of his sermons, um, it's actually in a book for children, raising children. He has this to say. Charles Spurgeon says this, as it is horrible to find a Judas among the apostles, so it is grand to discover an Obadiah among Ahab's quarters. What grace must have been at work to maintain such a fire in the midst of the sea, such godliness in the midst of the vilest iniquity. When we look at this, there are three items that I want to share and encourage us with. And the first is for those who are insiders. So has God placed you as an insider. And uh, these will be up on the screen, I think, if we're running well. So encouragement for insiders. Those insiders would be the Obadiahs. I think sometimes today in our culture, even amongst us in close Christian circles, we can sometimes uh, be discontent if we're an insider. We think, well, maybe I need to go into full-time ministry, or maybe I need to just be in a Christian environment. Well, God hasn't called everybody into the Christian environment. He's called some of us, some of you, to be Obadiahs. So here's my encouragement to you, those of you who are insiders. Number one, to know and to expect that there will be tension and trouble. You got to know that. When you know that, it helps put your mind at ease. You don't think Obadiah knew as he was serving King Ahab that he was wicked, that Jezebel was awful? He knew that. He knew the tensions and the trouble that was at hand. We, as followers of Jesus, as insiders, you need to understand and know and recognize that there's going to be trouble. Jesus said that. He said that in this world, you will have trouble. Vince is going to play in, in a little bit. This world uh, is not our home. And, uh, and it's a reminder to us that this world is only temporary. As you walk through as an insider, as an Obadiah, though, let me encourage you that it's going to be difficult. And just to know that up front, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to be a doctor today and to have the convictions of a follower of Jesus. 
It's going to be hard in certain fields. To be a teacher in the public school, to have the convictions of the biblical convictions, it's going to be difficult and it's going to be challenging. We don't know enough about Obadiah, but what we do see is he had a line that he drew in the sand. And when that line involved the lives of the prophets of the Lord, he was willing to step up and to say, enough's enough. I will deliver. I will help protect these. And that's what he did. Number two, for those of you who are insiders or God is calling you to be an insider, know this, your steadfastness will be tested. Your steadfastness will be tested. It will be tested by the culture around us. Our culture is not becoming more biblical. I didn't hear an amen. Our culture is becoming less biblical. You know that. We see that. We understand that. And so you will be tested. You will also be tested by those who are not part of the culture, but who may be part of the church, who don't understand how you could do what you're doing. Elijah wasn't real warm and fuzzy with Obadiah. Elijah was a great man of God, but if you look at the text and you read through it, he didn't have warm fuzzies to say about Obadiah. From his perspective, maybe he was just thinking, how can this guy who says he fears the Lord serve under this king? So maybe the steadfastness of being obedient to the Lord will maybe even be tested by those who are Christ followers too. Number three, for you, those of you who God calls to be insiders, stay close to the Lord. It is imperative and it is critical that you stay close to the Lord because you are in an environment that is trying to pull you and to deceive you into the the lies, into deception. And there's nothing better that you can do than to stay close to your Lord so that you maintain faithfulness. As a pastor, I can't be an insider. I try to be. It just doesn't work. When I'm on a plane, which I don't fly very often, but or if I'm talking with somebody even in our community, and people ask me, what do you do for a living? I try not to answer it. Why? Because I want to be an insider. I want to be somebody who flies under the radar because the minute that I mention that I'm a pastor, and I'm not ashamed to be a pastor, but the moment that I mention that I'm a pastor, what goes on in their mind? So often I've been in a conversation, and I can't tell you how many times, where just been in a conversation with somebody. And once they find out that I'm a pastor, they immediately apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry that I said that. Like, all of a sudden, like they're standing before God and they need to confess. And I'm like, oh, okay. But there's something that that happens. I can't be an insider. We all can't be, be, be in the ministry. God calls some of you, and he will call some of you young people 
as you go and serve with the gifts and abilities he's given you, he's calling you to be an Obadiah and to serve on the inside. Don't think that your job isn't as important. Which leads to my three encouragements for those who are upfronters. Yes, that's my word of the day. I don't think it's really a word, but I created it. If you're new here, you'll soon find out that I make lots of new words. But I think you'll understand what I'm saying. Upfronters, those who are visual. So many people even here have said, hey, I, I could never be upfront like you, Pastor, but you give me a job behind the scenes and I'll do that. And that's great. God calls some to be upfront. He calls some to be an Elijah, to be very vocal, to be outspoken. As Elijah was, as a, as a prophet of the Lord, he spoke on behalf of the Lord, front and center, so that all could see, so that Israel could see, and so that the world could see that the Lord was true. So here's my encouragement to those of you who are upfronters. Number one, don't forget who's king. Don't forget who's king. Sometimes those of us who are um, gifted with the personalities that we have, we can sometimes forget that we're not in charge. We think we're in charge. God has placed us in the way that he's gifted us. And, and again, it's a part of the way that he's, he, he's, he's put his spirit in us to lead us and to guide us. But it's easy to forget at times that we're not in control of all things. It's part of being a good leader. But we cannot forget that God is king. Elijah didn't forget that. But at times, Elijah had these great heights and then he had these great lows. So as he... As he defeated the prophets uh, of Baal with the Lord's help, God, God defeated them. And as he got word from Jezebel that she was going to hunt him down and kill him because he just killed all of her prophets, what does he do? He runs to the woods. He's scared. He's intimidated. And so for those of us who are upfronters, we have these times where we're very upfront and we're very bold and strong. And then there's other times where we become very weak and it becomes very difficult. And that's where the second point comes into play. Be careful with being judgmental. Be careful with being judgmental. Elijah struggles because he thinks he's the only one left. He doesn't look as, at Obadiah as his brother in Christ or in the Lord. He doesn't look at Obadiah as somebody who God is using and is working through. The text doesn't tell us that. He may know that, but I think he struggles with that. And I think, honestly, it's a struggle that you and I probably have today. I think we have allowed the world to be more impactful on us in this way, where we have become more judgmental of even our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we've got to stop it. I have to stop it. We have to be careful with being judgmental. Because God is used and he will use those who are Obadiahs. Because he's placed them there to use them for his glory. The last encouragement for those who are upfronters is this. You have to stay close to the Lord. 
Just as those who are God calls to be insiders, so must we who are upfronters, we must stay close to the Lord. We need that. I loved how God ministered to Elijah. He didn't condemn Elijah for running from Jezebel. In his questioning, he asked him and said, what are you doing here? But he never condemned him. Our Lord is gracious and merciful to us, is he not? He desires for us to walk with him. Yet in his grace and mercy, he allows us to choose. And so each day you have a choice whether or not you'll open up his word and read it and study it. You have a choice each day whether or not you're going to pray and talk to the Lord or if you're going to try to solve your problems and your issues. When issues arise, how will you handle them? If we're walking with the Lord, we listen to him. We talk with him. He shares with us. And we obey him. Here's the truth as I wrap up. We need Christ followers in every profession. Now, some will say, well, how can you be a Christ follower and serve here or work here? How could you be a Christ follower and be here? The truth is, we need Christ followers in every profession. Because some of the darkest professions, that's where the light is needed the greatest. God called both Obadiah and Elijah. And he used them both. We need some who would step up and to go into full-time ministry. We need great missionaries and pastors, pastors' wives, youth pastors. We need those who are willing to serve in ministry roles. But we also need those who are not called to ministry roles to not think that they're inferior but to see that God has called you and where he has called you, he wants you to be faithful and he wants to use you to be light in the darkness. So here's the question. As stewards, God's stewards, are you giving God your best where he's placed you? Or are you hoping and dreaming to be somewhere else? Oh, I'll be happy if I could only do this. Remember, stewards don't own anything. They've, given, they've been given charge and responsibility to care for the things of the owner. God has given you gifts and abilities to be used for his glory. And as Christ followers, we are his stewards. And so... Are you giving God your best where he's placed you? Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this opportunity to open up your word. It is an absolute privilege, Lord, to be able to share about who you are and your goodness and about your word. Lord, this role that you have given me is no more important than the roles that you've given to each one that sit here and who listen here this morning. 
when we think about being your steward and whatever you've called us to do, help us to be obedient to that. Help us to be willing to give you our best. Not whining, not complaining, not hoping that our circumstances will change and then thinking that we will serve you more if they do. But Lord, may we be committed to giving you our best right where you've placed us. Lord, may we see you work in marvelous and wonderful ways for your glory, for your kingdom. While this world is not our home, Lord, you still have us here to be your light and to be a testimony. May we not lose hope. May we not lose heart. But may we stay committed to giving you our best. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus. Amen.